Tonight, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm, Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. First of all, Pastor, let me thank you just uh, for your openness and having us come. We had a good time today, lunch. Wait, some of your town's uh, barbecue, I guess is what you call it. Uh, barbecue brisket or barbecue beef. It was fabulous. Thank you so much. And uh, you guys are really blessed to have a place like that around here. But anyhow, that was good. No, it's just good to be here. We get to a lot of places, and I don't like to start comparing places. But it's, a, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight and have a good time and see the pews, by and large, mostly full, and people are excited. We go past many churches in our travels today where the doors are shut, they're scared, and, and I, I get that. I understand what's going on in culture and all that around us, but it's excited to see people tonight that are here because they believe this is essential, and they want to be in the house of the Lord. So let me just thank you for that and bless you for that. Before I get into God's Word, uh, we get to a lot of places, and I did it last night or this morning when I came into the church, and I looked at your church bulletin. I just have something about church bulletins. I like to see what different churches are up to. So this was a church in Kansas a couple years ago we were at, and in their church bulletin, and it went like this. Uh, They were talking about their 50th class reunion that was coming up, and it said, He was a widower, and she was a widow. They had known each other for a number of years, being high school classmates and having attended class reunions in the last 20 years without fail. This 50th class reunion, I'm sorry, this 50th anniversary of their class the widower and widow made a foursome with two other couples. They had a wonderful e- two other singles. My thing's right. They had a wonderful evening. Their spirits were high. Finally, he picked up the courage to ask her, will you marry me? After about six seconds of careful consideration, she answered, yes, yes, I will. The evening ended on a happy note for the widower. But the next morning, he was troubled. Did she say yes or did she say no? He couldn't remember. Try as he would, he just could not recall. He went over the conversation of the previous evening, but his mind was blank. He remembered asking the question, but for the life of him, he could not recall her response. With fear and trepidation, he picked up the phone and called her. First he explained he couldn't remember as well as he used to, then he reviewed the past evening. As he gained a little more courage, he inquired of her, When I asked if you would marry me, did you say yes or did you say no? Why, you silly man, I said yes, yes, I will, and I meant it with all my heart. The widow was delighted. He felt his heart skip a beat. But then she continued, I'm so glad you called, because for the life of me, I couldn't remember who asked me. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with my message tonight, but it says laughter is good like medicine. I thought maybe we need a little medicine tonight, okay? Um, Psalm 37. Tonight, um, I just call this the heart message. And I know Pastor said this morning I'm going to be talking and preaching on the family tonight. And I, off, I have quite a few different messages on the family. I would say this. And I had to think of this when he was up earlier sharing tonight. A father, good or bad, sets the tone for his family. Or mom, I will say it for that fact. And a pastor sets the tone for his church. A president does for his nation. And it's like that in all areas of leadership. So tonight, if you have anybody under you, what I mean by that, I mean if you have a child, if you have a worker under you, you're a person, a man or woman of influence. And I hope this message tonight, and even if you don't, you probably will someday, I hope this message tonight can encourage you to have your heart right. Most importantly, have your heart right with God. And I'll just call it the heart message. Let's go to Psalm 37 and start in at, jump in at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth his seed is blessed. 
Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. If you have a pen, you might want to take and underline that verse 31. None of his steps shall slide. I like that. That's a Bible promise. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this chapter in Scripture. I thank you of all you say in the word about a heart. Each one of us right now wouldn't be sitting here breathing if we didn't have a heart. And I thank you the way you created us, that because of that heart, we can breathe. It sends functions throughout our body in an amazing, amazing way. So God, I thank you. It's such a vital, vital part of our body. And Lord, you are an unbelievable creator. You know everything. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end. And tonight, as I try to dive into your word and just talk about the heart a bit, Lord, I pray that we can get some spiritual truth out of this this evening. We ask this in your, whole, in your name. Amen. The steps of a good man. None of his steps shall slide. I don't know about you, but I don't want my step to slide. You've, heard, you've probably heard the joke that he's got one foot in the grave and the other foot on a banana peel, all right? That's a sign of somebody really in bad shape. It's probably not a good joke, but anyhow... I thought of that when I thought this. We don't want any of our steps to slide. How do I mean by that? I want to live a life that is above reproach, a life of integrity that I never have to worry about covering up my track. Or if I said this to Brother Shepherd, oh, you know what? I better be careful what I say to the next pastor because I didn't quite line up with what I said to him. You know what I'm saying? If we're just men and women of integrity and live out the Bible, we don't have to worry about covering up our tracks, our steps sliding all over the place. But we can believe this word, what it says. The Lord hungers for fellowship with us, and he is looking for a man whose heart is turned towards him. This is Bible. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Second Chronicles 16.9. Did you know after conception, 21 days after conception, the human heart is beating? So when you as a young person turn 16... You may say, well, I just turned 16, I had a birthday. Technically speaking, your heart's been functioning for 16 years and about eight months or so, if my math is correct. 21 days after conception, the human heart is already beating. I had no idea like that, so I did some research on that. Um, physically, the human heart is an amazing creation of God. The heart is a hardworking marvel that can continue beating automatically even if all its nerves are severed. Beats an average of 75 times per minute, 40 million times per year, 2.5 billion times by, a person, by the time a person reaches 70. With each beat, the average heart pumps four ounces of blood. I did the math. That adds up to over 3, 000, about 3,000 gallons of blood per day and over 1 million gallon per year. Amazing. I should have done this ahead of the service, but I'm assuming you got a baptistry back there, right? How, you know how big it is, how many gallons of water? Anyhow, I could use that for an illustration, but anyhow, long story short, it pumps an amazing, way more than what that baptistry would hold. That baptistry is probably 500, maybe 1,000 gallon tops. It pumps probably several baptistries of blood your heart does every single day. Um, the fruit fly has the shortest heart, 0.22 millimeters. Anybody want to guess uh, what the biggest heart is in any animal God created? Yes, Elisha or Elijah. The blue whale? I don't think so. Um, Ezekiel. I, get, I always get your name mixed up. Who else wants to guess? Somebody else. 
I think it's the giraffe. It's two foot long, and the giraffe's heart, most hearts are kind of built, you've got half here and a half here kind of stuck together. The giraffe's heart is the only animal not like that. That's the, that's the way, by and large, most of land animals, most human hearts are. But the giraffe is different. Anybody want to say, think why is the giraffe's heart different? It's kind of oblong in nature. What's that? Its neck is long. If the giraffe's heart would be like everybody else's heart or everybody, every other creature's heart, when it put its long neck down on the ground to take a drink, there would be so much pressure from the blood, it pretty much blow that head right off. So it's got a whole bunch of one-way valves in it. So it won't allow, when it head goes down, it won't allow that to happen. Only God, not evolution. That was only an almighty God that did that. It's amazing. It's amazing. The heart produces enough energy in a 12-hour period to lift a 65-ton rail car in the air. That's a human heart. The heart is an organ that is absolutely necessary for life. Many people die every year because of heart disease. Many people take medication to strengthen their hearts. John Hopkins, medical researcher, discovered it's amazing what the heart can do. Attending church is good for your health. The risk of fatal heart disease, they say this according to Johns Hopkins Research, the risk of fatal heart disease is almost twice as high for non-churchgoers than for men who attend once a week or more. Okay? Is there a reason God said don't forsake the assembling? A healthy heart is vital for a full and enjoyable life, true physically, but also true spiritually. Spiritual heart affects the physical heart. Proverbs 17, 22, and this is an area I need to work on, so I'm preaching myself. A merry heart doth good like a medicine. Yes. You, there is so much research out there. It's unbelievable about the importance of that. In fact, I'm just going to delve into a little bit right now rather than waiting until the end. Um, merry heart. What does it do? It relaxes the whole body, it boosts the immune system, it triggers the release of endorphins, it protects the heart, it burns calories. If you have an anger problem, it lightens your anger load, I promise you. Helps you live longer. In Norway, they did research on cancer patients, and here's what they found out. If cancer patients were watching um, comedy or something of humor to get them to laugh, they realized it would extend their lifespan. But here's some research the Mayo Clinic just did. They said... Laughter, particular, benefits the immune system by protecting natural killer cells that help fight infection while lowering both the stress hormone cortisol and inflammatory marker interlinkin-6. Whatever that is, I'm not a nurse. This gentleman over here, he probably knows. Is it John? Is that your name? Yes. He probably knows what that is. Laughter increases the anti-aging hormone. You know, we take a lot of things, especially the ladies do, to put on their face to make them look younger. Just laugh more, guys. You all look 10 years younger. Anyhow, whatever. That's just free. Uh, you don't have to do that. But anyhow, laughter increases anti-aging hormone that helps keep us young. Patients with cancer and other terminal issues benefit by laughter and show improved outlook, less pain, and longer survival. And then I came across something this afternoon that John Hopkins just put out. And, wow, we're going to do something tomorrow on our day off to laugh. Listen to this. Laughter, according to John Hopkins, is more important than eating right, exercising, being the right weight, not smoking, have good humor. I'm thinking, this is what the Bible said. Laughter is good like a medicine. Sing like you're a star. Whistle when you work. Laugh till your eyes water, until your belly shakes and you gasp for air. That's what John Hopkins says, okay? We got a family in the second row here tonight. They're the Craig family. They drove up from, is it South Solon? Is that where you guys are from? Okay. 
We've known this family for years. They came to one of our services in South Ohio. But one thing I always liked, stopping by at their house, at their, at their folks' place, George and uh, what's your mom's name? Laura. Laura Craig. How can I forget? Sorry. Anyhow, they also graduated from Pensacola, so you might want to connect with them afterward. Anyhow, we go to their house, and when we leave, it happens every time. I walk out to our bus to get in our bus, and my foot steps are just a little lighter. Why is that? Because we just got done laughing a lot. <laughs> you just laugh a lot. And you all know people like that. You go to their house, and you leave, and it's just like, my troubles don't seem so bad. We just laughed a lot. As Christians, we should have some joy, right? Laugh a bit. The Bible actually encourages it, okay? And medical science today backs it up. So that's Proverbs 17:22. Proverbs 4:23 says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." That's right. God is much more concerned about our spiritual hearts than He is our physical hearts. As we begin a journey to study the marks of a godly man, I want you to truly consider tonight of having a heart for God, a heart for God. That should be our first priority. If you desire joyful living and a fruitful life, you might say, why is that? Well, it's always been, I believe, the heart of God to prosper and bless his people. I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing prosperity gospel, okay? There is a difference. That's not what I'm saying. But God wants to bless his people. Really, I believe that. As they walk with a heart for him. First Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Looketh at the heart. David, it says, David would all say is a man after God's own heart. And I've thought about that. David messed up. He had his problems in life. But it says he's a man after God's own heart. Why him? What qualities does it take for David to be a man after God's own heart? Study it sometime. We'll, t- we'll talk about that a bit. Joshua. Think about this. The promised land had been taken. And uh, actually, I'm just going to go to Joshua right now. Joshua. Pastor, do you ever write your notes down and write the wrong stuff down? You probably, you probably never do that. Let's go to Deuteronomy, actually. Deuteronomy. That's not right. I'll find it. Okay, here we go. Joshua chapter 21. Joshua 21, verse 43. Joshua 21, 43, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. It all came to pass. Chapter 22, Then Joshua called the Reubenites, and the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest unto, all, unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possessions, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That was admonition. You think about this. There had been the promised land had been conquered. The two and a half tribes had faithfully fought for more than seven long years. 
They had left their loved ones on the other side of Jordan to go and fight the Canaanites. They endured hardship and loneliness. Now as promised, they could go home. Joshua, their commander, was blessing them. But in verse 5, the heart he's talking about, that refers to the inner man. In Hebrew, that means label, or the word is label. It's often compounded with the soul, the total inner man of one. The people had faithfully followed all the military commandments, and great victories had been won. Enemies had been defeated. Now, Joshua shares some basic steps to these tribes about being faithful as they return to their families. If we're going to have a heart for God, I really need, we need to take heed to the five principles that Joshua shared with the people. You might be saying, well, what are the five principles? Principle number one, love the Lord. And 250 times in the Old Testament, it says to love the Lord your God. 250 or a little more than that. This is the commitment of our affections. 1 John 2.15 says, love not the world. Colossians 3.2, set not your affections on things here on the earth, but on things above. What we focus on is what we come to love. I heard a saying as a young man, I heard a man share, he says, where you go determines who you meet. Who you meet determines how you think. How you think determines what you do, and what you do determines who you become. So what, what is your heart bent toward? What kind of a people are you associating with? Are you associating with people that build you up or tear you down? And especially young people, let me just speak to you right now for a second. The rest can listen in for free. Young people, if you're not married, be very careful what, who your friends are. Because that's very true, what I just said. I've seen it over and over again. My pastor back in Iowa says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But where you go, my uh, pastor's wife and I, we were just talking today about Bible college. And I'm not saying Bible college is bad. Don't get me wrong. But just because young lady or young man, you go and meet another person at Bible college, you may think he's Miss Char- Miss Prince Charming or, or Mr. Prince Charming, or you may, a guy may think she's the greatest thing that came along. Make sure you know their true character. Make sure you really know. Do they really have a heart for God? Are they putting on a show or putting on a front? Have your dad do some research, you know. Find out what their mom or their relationship with their siblings are like and so forth. Um, that's why many young people, I believe, struggle with wrong affections. Their focus is wrong. They're not focusing on the Lord. You know, what's in your inner man is what's going to come out. In Alberta, Canada, we, cut, we, we travel in Canada quite a bit, and, and the Canadian prairies get incredibly cold in the wintertime. And it was set up near Edmonton a couple of years ago. There was a, uh, there, there's a, there's a, ga- a lot of gas lines underground up there, and there was a leak and it kept shooting flame of fire, just a little flame out of the ground. Well, on the western prairies, there was snow covered, the ground was frozen. But in an area, maybe 10, 15 feet there, there was just the luscious, greenest grass you could ever believe. Because what was underneath that ground, the gas, and then, of course, fueled by, or the flame was fueled by that gas, it was burning that fire and making that heat in January, February, in the middle of the winter. And the grass was green. You might say, what's that got to do? I'm saying is, what's inside comes out. So a heart is a really, really, really big deal. Um, Love is a decision. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, the love of Christ, what? Constraineth us. It really does. Love is a decision. I make a decision to never let the fire or love of God die in my heart. I made a decision many years ago. Medical science says, unloved babies do not grow very well. As a pediatrician, C.J. Jenkins said, nurses caring for unloved babies are to look in their eyes until the babies fix their eyes upon the nurses' faces. 
when the babies become aware of the nurses' faces, I can see a difference in their growth rate. Think about that. Hymn writer Helen Lemuel said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Things of this earth will grow strangely dim. As we focus on Jesus, your love for him grows and your understanding of his love increases. What are the results of that? You will develop a deeper love for God. The second point is walk in all his ways. Have a commitment, young person, older person, of direction. A commitment of direction. Determined by faith to go in God's direction. Find out what God is doing and go that way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto all Lean not into your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Go with God, and he will go with you. You know, I think we talked about this a little bit this morning in making uh, decisions. But um, in life, we often make decisions without consulting the Lord or seeking his will. I've been convicted about that later, just praying more before I make a decision. Seek God. What does God want me? What's, what's he telling me? I think of Enoch in the Bible in Genesis 5.22. It says he walked with God. How many years? Over 300 years. Enoch walked with God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Keep his commandments. Number three, this is a step of submission. The greatest struggle we face does not come from this world or Satan's attacks, but it comes from our own flesh. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Henry Ford said, Think you can or think you can't. Either way, you'll be right. The Bible says a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? Keeping his commandments, talking about God's commandments, is not grievous, but victorious as we obey him through his power. Each day the choice is given to you and to me. My way, disobedience, or God's way, obedience. Um, I have never done this, but I just feel led to do this. I'm going to have Allison come up here tonight. Can you come up here, Allison? Allison just turned 26. I don't very often give my children's age away. But, um, you know, I want to say this is an encouragement. Maybe it will encourage some young lady out here tonight. She has been trying hard to keep her heart for a special young man all these years. And there's a lot of pressure. You want to get married. And I think that's God's. I think it's great. I think it's great if every young person can get married. Do I think it's a sin to be single? No. But I'm glad I'm married. Let me just put it that way, Okay. And uh, long story short, I say this tonight and bring her up here because over the years I've watched her. I've watched her as she's encouraged young ladies over and over again to focus on the Lord. Keep a heart for him. Be careful about the young men that come along. Make sure they're really men of God. And she's been very, very faithful. And tonight as we were singing the daddy song, and I just looked over at her, at her eyes, and I just saw, I know in about a month I'm going to be walking her to the altar and I'm going to be giving her away to a godly young man. And I just want to say to you young ladies, you might be 20, 21, 22. You might, be, you might think, well, he's never going to come along. Or I'm going to sell myself short. Or I hope so, think so. Maybe he's the right guy. Let me tell you, on Instagram and on Facebook, they can be whatever they want to be. But go to your, if you're a shepherd girl, go to your dad. If you're whatever else, I don't know many of you, go to your dad's, Okay. Ask him. Seek him for counsel. Because I'm so thankful she didn't sell herself short. Because I saw her love God. I saw her keep her heart all these years. 
when she could have sold herself short multiple times in the last 10 years. And so I just want to bless you. and Thank you for that. Thanks, Point number four, cleave unto him. In Hebrew, cleave means to cling or to hold fast. This is a step of dependence. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Another use is the word glue. God wants us to stick to him like glue. Hang on to cling. The second worst day of my life, I remember very vividly. The worst day was, of course, when my father died. But the second worst day of my life, I was 16 years old, and some of the youth group went to Kansas City, Missouri, to Worlds of Fun amusement park. And here in Ohio, you've got something called a King's Island. Is that right? My wife knows she's been there. I went to this amusement park, and uh, as a 16-year-old, you want to fit in. You don't want anybody to know that you're scared of roller coasters, right? I'll be honest. I paid my $13 that day, which in 1980 was an unbelievable amount of money. It still is plenty, but I'm just saying... I paid $13 that day and went in there and I said, I'm going to act like I'm going to have a great time all day. Nobody's going to know how much I dread this. Well, I meant, I remember we went on that torque screw or whatever they called it right out of the chute and had a sign there at the bottom that says, pregnant women not allowed. It's the only time in my life I wished I was pregnant. <laughs> it said, pregnant women not allowed. And uh, I looked to my side and there's a pregnant lady about eight months. She's sitting on a park bench. Her children and husband go up there, and I thought, ma'am, if I could just be you for about a minute or two. But anyhow, I jumped on there, and I went on that thing, and then I went through a bunch of, all day long. I did that kind of thing, dreaded it. The day crawled by, 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock. Everybody's having a good time, but I just didn't want to be left out. Anyhow, that's, I'm getting a little carried away, but what am I saying? I, I hung on to that roller coaster. My knuckles were white. I hung on like glue. Well... That's what it's talking about, cleave unto God, cleave to him. Have a heart that's wanting to be after him for all it's worth. And that's probably not even a good comparison, but that's just what came to me. Are we cleaving to God? Are we living totally dependent upon him? The fifth point is serve him, Joshua 22, verse 5. To serve him with all my heart, with all your soul. And Joshua 24, 15, which of course many of you have got on your walls. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. It's a test of our priorities. The challenge is to serve, labor, minister with our entire beings. For we all have the same amount of time. We really do. We all have 24 hours in a day. Everybody is equal. We all have the same amount of time. We all face a test of priorities. Serving God is not a position we fill, but a priority we follow. Look for opportunities to serve. See yourself as a servant and his minister to encourage others regardless of your vocation. You don't have to be pastor shepherd and get behind this pulpit every Sunday to have a ministry. If you don't have a ministry right now, start asking the Lord to show you how you can have one. And if you still don't know, go to pastor, and I promise you he can find something for you. I have a friend in Georgia, Dwayne Swanson. He's about 45 years, has nine or ten children, has a lawn care business. And he bought a real expensive headset a couple years ago. And I don't know how it works, but it works. It's an expensive headset to keep the noise out. He's got a mouthpiece here. And during the day, his ministry is to call about 10 people every day to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, 10 men and young men. My, one, of my, one or two of my sons have been encouraged as a result of his ministry. He calls over 400 people a month, four to 500. I'm not sure what it is, but he does that from his lawnmower. That's his ministry. 
Just encourage him to spur on, to press on. God will show you what you want. I would say if you want to know where your heart really is, this is a simple test I heard a pastor say in a message years ago. And I just pulled it out a couple days ago. What do you think about? What do you spend your time thinking about? Or what are your last thoughts before you go to bed at night? So I started last night, a couple nights ago I actually started this. I went to bed and I laid there. And I just started thinking about God. How good God is. What has he done for me? The Bible says that the man thinks in his heart and so is he. And I was thinking, it wasn't very long because my time from my head going on the pillow till I go to sleep is incredibly short. I'm a, one of these few blessed people that sleep comes anywhere, anytime, no problem, okay? But those one or two or three minutes, I'm, starting, I'm trying to focus on thinking about God, not about the farm, not about our best next ministry uh, date or anything like that. Lord, what have you done for me? It's just something I'm trying to make a habit of. But what do you think about when you're driving down the road? Are we thinking about the pandemic? Are we thinking about all kinds of strife? And it's hard not to. I know it is. We're in the middle of it right now. But let's, let's think of the Lord. Let me just kind of to recap. Love the Lord, number one. That's a test of our affection. Walk in all his ways. That's a test of our direction. And I'm going to back that up with scripture. Proverbs 4:23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left, remove thy foot from evil. And number three, keep his commandments. That's a test of submission. Following the Ten Commandments, I didn't think was that unreasonable. But it seems like America, we're trying to discard them. God gave us ten simple commandments. Let's just follow them. Young people, honor your father and mother. That actually has a promise to it. Number four, cleave unto him. That's a test of dependence. And number five, serve him. It's a test of priorities. Deuteronomy 4, 24, and I want to close with this verse tonight, or verses. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, ye shall have remained long in the land and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. And ye shall be left few in number among the heathen where the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from hence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou shalt seek him with all thine heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation unto these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days. By the way, we are in the latter days. If thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient to his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. I would say tonight, where is your heart? I don't ever want to assume that everyone here is a born-again Christian. But have you ever surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because all these things that I shared about tonight really aren't going to mean anything if you don't know Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Where's your heart? 
Is your heart bent? Would people say to you or to me, if I was lying in a casket here tonight and you all passed by at my funeral service, would they say, Mr. Bontrager, a man after God's own heart. Brother Shepherd, a man after God's own heart. Brother Marshall, a man after God's own heart. Or fill in your names. Would they say that? That's what I want to I be known at. But more important than that even is what does God see me? God truly knows the intent of each one of our hearts. He knows if we're a fake tonight or if we're the real deal. I don't want to be a fake. I believe children and your, my children and your children will know if we're just blowing smoke. Or if we're sitting in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever churches. But yet when we're at home, it's just chaos. And we're bickering and we're yelling at the children and carrying on, God knows. But our family knows too. Tonight, I'm going to have pastor come up. Tonight, maybe you need to do business with God. Maybe your heart needs some shaping. Or maybe it's been going in the wrong direction and you need a course correction.